Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Chad. This month, we sat down with Lance Kage, a design principal at Rotator in Tacoma, Washington. On a quiet Saturday morning, we visited Lance at his studio to chat a bit about how he got started and what it takes to be a designer that pushes the boundaries of traditional forms. Enjoy. This is Design School. Lance Kagey, thank you so much for being on This is Design School with us. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because one of the things that interests me is your story of where you, how you got to where you are today. So can you give us a little brief history of where did you start and where are you right now? Where are we right now? <laughs> well, right now we are in um, my creative agency, Rotator. Uh, we've been doing this particular uh, business venture for just over a year, but I've been doing graphic design for, well, uh, officially for the last 20 some odd years. But even before that, as a child, I was enamored with graphic design. And uh, so we've, I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. I've uh, had an opportunity to both work in corporate setting, which I did for, I think, going on about uh, 15 years in a corporate setting. And then I've also worked in agencies and other multidisciplinary firms. And uh, then last year, um, myself and two partners uh, decided to start this firm, Rotator, which is a unique creative agency from other design firms. Uh, we do traditional branding and marketing and helping with uh, people with marketing strategies and so forth. But we also do something, a discipline called placemaking. Placemaking is the idea that you can use creative problem solving to make a city more livable or an environment, a space more inviting and inclusive. Uh, so that's an area of discipline that kind of differentiates us from other creative agencies that are out there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we really like it. And how did you come up with that idea? I've had an interest in community building for quite some time. In fact, uh, one of my alter egos has been to be executive director of First Night in Tacoma, which is the New Year's Eve celebration. It's a music festival with multiple stages. I think they have like a dozen different stages and of music and arts. Uh, it's a celebration of arts and culture in Tacoma, um, which suits my, you know, uh, passion for creativity. But that type of community building actually uh, helped me understand the value of uh, connection between uh, people, not just in the creative community, but in, in the larger community as well. One of the things that people also know you for, especially in the Tacoma area, is your uh, guerrilla style letterpress and uh, printing work that you do. Mm -hmm. I have been doing a guerrilla arts project called Beautiful Angle with uh, my good friend Tom Llewellyn for uh, 15 years now. We, uh, like I said, I had been in the corporate setting and as a creative, the corporate setting can sometimes be a little dry, but it was really important to me at the time to create uh, great work, but the type of work I was doing in the corporate setting was, you know, like 
forms and updating copyrights on the back of, you know, bland number pages and so forth. The stuff that pays the bills. Yeah, it pays the bills, <laughs> but it is not highly rewarding. But I, I've had so much passion to, to do great work, which is, I think everyone, you know, in the design field, if you're going to be successful, you need to do that. But a friend of mine, Tom, and I were talking about the challenges of working in the corporate setting and, and any, in any setting actually where you have paid clients. The client is the one who decides what design moves forward. So you present, say, three designs and, and they invariably will pick the one you like the least. And uh, so you have to run with that. So we were talking about, well, what if uh, you were to take money out of the equation? What could you do? And in the same time frame, I'm also a singer and musician, and we had a band together, uh, just kind of a garage band, and played local coffee shops or whatnot. Um, and that had come to an end when our drummer moved to Brazil. And uh, so we were kind of in the in that inflection point where uh, you're deciding what creative you know output will you do next and. Uh, this conversation led to this idea of putting art out into the city uh, as a grill arts project that uh, isn't driven by any type of agenda. It's just whatever we want to do and something we could sustain month in and month out. Um, we're two, Tom, Tom and I are two middle-aged guys with families, so we, we, we couldn't do something overwhelming, but we could do something that uh, could have a rhythm to it that built out over time. And it's had quite the following too over these years. It's really surprising how in, you know, the first couple of months we did it, suddenly people were like, oh, you're doing that, that cool thing. I want to play along, you know? And so we, we decided that we're just going to keep it very Tacoma centric. And we have guest artists and writers come on, on board with us every now and then. The only rule is they have to live in Tacoma to be part of the project. And uh, we talk about all sorts of themes on these posters. These posters are hand-cranked letterpress posters that are created with old wood type or lead type or old engravings that we've got our hands on. Um, and we also are pretty experimental, so we'll try crazy things like printing, you know. Um, I think probably the, the craziest one was we took um, uh, weather stripping from uh, the local hardware store, glued it down to a board and tried to print with it. And it was a big mushy mess, but it actually uh, fit, the, fit the context of the poster we were doing at the time. And so, you know, we tried crazy things like that. Um, one of our most uh, popular posters is a giant kind of rendition of, uh, of Andy Warhol's Tacoma Dome Flower. And it's basically wire glued down to a board and um, this stuff called printer's mat that we cut out the flower element with and, and then that in combination with some lead type and creates this interesting combination of elements. You seem very non-traditional in, in the sense of how you're designing these posters. Does that translate into the work that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. The, the thing about, first of all, about letterpress is it, it can easily become nostalgic regurgitation of someone else's old ideas, but we don't look at it that way. We look like at it like this is a really cool tool that people aren't using that much and we can explore it in new and different ways. So that uh, is 
that's kind of the approach we take. And also in design, you know, I've been doing design for you know 30 years, and um, you have you have some uh, a, a toolkit of ideas that you can draw on um, that are uh, basic concepts in composition and layout and uh, working with various ideas like a Swiss grid or something like that that helps you de define what your variables are, but then. Uh, to make something feel fresh and new, you've got to kind of work within those rules and break the rules at the same time. That's one thing that letterpress really does um, well for me as a designer. It constricts you with, um, with the limitations of letterpress. For example, if I am working with a particular font, on, on my computer, I can have as many letter E as I want, but in letterpress, when I run out of the letter E in that particular font uh, style, I have to decide, okay, now what, you know? So those types of limitations really kind of push your creativity and, and allow you to kind of think in different ways, and that's been really good for my commercial career. My artistic career has kind of influenced that. Can you describe the studio space you work in? This studio space that we're sitting in now. And where your letterpress is. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. So the space we're in now is an old warehouse, uh, West Coast Grocery Warehouse, which is uh, one of the earliest uh, buildings in Tacoma. It was uh, a brick building that was built along the Prairie Line Trail, which is uh, the rail, um, rail line that comes into Tacoma. It's the end of the Transcontinental Railroad. And uh, this was... Uh, a building that was you know their grocery warehouse and then on the street side was their storefront and we're in part of the warehouse area um, big timber beams and old warehouse uh, kind of piping and so forth through the building and we've converted it into kind of a loft style uh, studio space with uh, the workspace and conference room and then kind of a living room library area that allows people to come and relax and, and peruse our design library that we have here my uh, letterpress studio, which is uh, in the basement of my home, is uh, about a, mm, a thousand square feet, maybe uh, 800 square feet of um, letterpress, old um, uh, type cabinets, and uh, I have uh, one uh, larger hand crank printing press called a challenge proof press. It's a cylinder press. And then I have uh, several tabletop proof presses, and then a whole bunch of type and engravings. One of the big um, collections that we have is there was a uh, print shop in Tacoma that had been here uh, for three generations. Uh, and back when uh, printing presses were run off of steam engines and belt drives and uh, and they were, uh, after three generations, closing up shop, and they contacted us and said um, that they had all these old Tacoma-centric engravings, and they thought they would just uh, be tossing them out and wondered if we were interested in them. So, yes, of course, we were interested in these <laughs> great collection of old type and so forth, and we helped him uh, uh, kind of share, share what we couldn't use around with the rest of the letterpress community in the region. And uh, that has been a, a big asset to our project. What about establishing Rotator 
kind of in the center of downtown in such a historical building. Yeah, we're in a very historic area right across the street from Union Station. Um, and uh, this allows us to um, be in the hub of activity uh, with both um, retail commerce, we're right, right on the main strip of uh, uh, downtown Tacoma. And at the same time, um, it is a setting that allows for corporate meetings with clients and gives a sense of, um, of uh, it's kind of a credentialing, you know, you, you're here and they, oh yeah, you're a legitimate firm and so forth. So we could easily, in fact, this was one of our debates when we first got started, we could easily have worked um, independently from our own homes and then come together at a coffee shop or something to catch up with each other. Three of us that own Rotator. Um, but we decided we wanted to have a, a brick and mortar kind of presence. What was the hardest part about deciding to start something with two other people? I imagine part of like some of that process is kind of scary. But what in your mind was the hardest part about that process and how did you work through it? So the three partners in Rotator uh, Scott Varga, Mark Alvis, and myself were co-equal owners, and that was a decision to make early on as, as a business, whether it be single owner with employees or partners, or whether it be uh, equal ownership. So that was kind of a business decision we had to make. Um, I've worked with Scott for, um, I think, nine years prior to uh, starting this business. So we had a long history of working, excuse me, we had a long history of working together, um, but it's different owning a business together for sure. Um, we um, worked together in a corporate setting for a, a financial firm that was here in Tacoma and moved up to Seattle um, and did that for a, a number of years. Um, and then uh, Mark, the other partner, um, was has been a local Tacoma guy as well here, very entrenched in the art scene and music scene here in Tacoma. And he uh, was contracting with us at this financial firm where we were at. And um, I've worked with him off and on in that setting. But he's also had a um, deep connection in the coffee industry. He's done a lot of work with, say, Starbucks and other uh, smaller uh, coffee uh, companies. So we have this really eclectic mix of people um, that have come together um, and that in one sense uh, gives us a strength because the three very different people provide different things to the business. On the other hand, it, it is, you know, the interpersonal dynamics uh, have to learn their style and how to work with their style and they have to, you know, learn with the ways that I frustrate people and, and work through that. So it takes commitment. How do you feel that you've grown over the years by um, being influenced by these people, but also by mentoring people? I am a very collaborative designer, and uh, I enjoy working with people from all skill levels. Uh, I have actually taught in uh, the local arts high school here in town, and I've also taught at a design school up in Seattle, um, and I find young designers have a uh, enthusiasm and 
uh, naivete, which is a good thing in the way I'm using the term at least, um, to, to bring a dynamism to the, to the design that you're doing. On the other uh, end of the spectrum is uh, the great designers I've had the opportunity to work with who are super experienced, uh, amazing, uh, oftentimes celebrity designers. Uh, you get a different type of collaboration with them, but it's a, so then I kind of get to be mentored by their skill. So I love that kind of back and forth between uh, people mm -hmm. uh, to grow and learn together in both directions. I'm going to push you a little bit further and um, inquire, how do you stay inspired? Uh, I'm you know, looking around your studio right now. One of the things that uh, is really interesting is that there's a lot of visually stimulating things here that you have made. Mm. What are ways that you get inspired? You should see my letterpress studio. It is, it is like my my children say. I'm one catastrophe away from becoming a hoarder because of <laughs> there's so much uh, crazy stuff in my studio, and I I love the visual stimulation of uh, objects. So um, yeah, that that is one way I do get inspired. Uh, I also am um, an avid uh, digester of design um, books, design magazines, uh, learning about what other designers have done. Um, I've had the, the incredible opportunity to travel all over the world and see a lot of, um, go to a lot of museums and whatnot. And those types of things, I think, give you, <clears throat> those types of things give you an education that I don't think you can get um, just by de being an academic, although uh, academics also give you an education that the other cannot give you, so they, they pair well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions, Lance? We seem to be asking you everything. But <laughs> if you have anything, please feel free to, to ask us. Yeah, I, I do have a question about design school. Um, do you find um, that young designers uh, coming to school, I'll, I'll tell you what I see, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, so please uh, correct me if it's not. I see kind of two designers coming into design school. Um, young, uh, artistic, creative people who see themselves as artists and are acquiescing to learning design because that's the closest thing they, they can get to being an artist in their mind. And the other uh, demographic I see is um, young gamers who imagine themselves uh, designing video games for a living and, and come at it from that angle. Is that off base or is that where you see a lot of, of students coming at, at design school? Well, it's interesting. The second one I hadn't even considered before. And I think when I was teaching, um, I was around a lot of students who were seeing what was going on in tech. And so they were really passionate about that. Oftentimes, we were approaching it from less of an artistic side and more of a drive to make a change in the world and seeing the potential of the design process in that. And in some ways, it's really great because they have this really strong desire to 
uh, or for change. Um, but on the other hand, the it, there was always a struggle with uh, craft, and so the desire or kind of orientation towards craft was a little bit less there. And so I saw a lot of that. I don't know what you see in your students, JP. There was a comment that you had made in there that I definitely see a lot of, which is uh, wanting to lead a life of creativity, but wanting to make money. Or wanting a life of creativity and their parents telling them, be a designer so you can make money. And I think it, it fulfills both of those two scenarios that you were talking about mm -hmm. in, in that they see design as a way of fulfilling their creative spirit. And then the gaming side of they see something creative and they want to be involved in it. And mm -hmm. design is a way for them to, to niche into it. But a lot of times I've, I've had students over the years that are creative but are not designers. Mm -hmm. A really good example of that would have been um, a couple of years ago, I had this student, um, amazing ceramicist, who took ceramics her last year. And she struggled as a designer, struggled as a designer, and someone had mentioned to me, you should see what she's doing in ceramics. And so I kind of wandered around the building uh, into the ceramic studio, and it was amazing. I could not believe it. And the uh, professor had said, this is her first time touching clay, and she is a natural at it. And I had asked her at our next advising meeting. So I was in the studio. I saw what you were doing. Why aren't you in ceramics? It's like, uh, uh, my parents said, you know, if you want to study art, you're going to study design. You're going to make money. I'm like, why aren't you a ceramicist? Or, or why are you a designer? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's that whole, you know, like, life crisis. Yeah. Well, design is going to teach you about aesthetics. It's going to teach you about composition. You know, like I, I, I broke it down to the basics for her and said, you're not wasting your time. Here's what you are getting out of this. Mm -hmm. You may not open Photoshop ever again. You may not use InDesign ever again. But you are going to understand how typography is about language. You're mm -hmm. going to understand how composition is translatable to, to building a house, organizing your furniture, to understanding lists and so forth or in the creative process she's going to understand uh, a 3d form a different way by studying design so i i yeah I, I think today like chan said that there are students that are seeing tech and translate that into design and then there are parents who are seeing uh, i have a creative student and they want to have, make sure that they have some sort of career path mm -hmm. in front of them. My own experience was my parents were like, well, that's nice that you want to be an artist, but you should get your degree in engineering, you know? And uh, that's a, that's a, especially as you become a parent, it's like, okay, how do I, how will I approach it? You know? And uh, I'm, I'm very much of the, of the, mindset that if you are truly passionate about a direction you should go for that and i encourage that in my kids so. did your kids ever say to you i want to be in the family business um so one of my daughters went to plu and uh she does have an interest in printmaking um 
but she is a business major and uh, she's following more in my wife's uh, footsteps in the world of HR and uh, that's great. I, I think it's great. She has a creative side, but uh, she's, she's business minded. So, so it's, it's almost she's following in your footsteps in, in that you were in the business field doing creative work yeah. and then went into creative business. Yeah. 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 There's a similarity there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way. Or yeah. I've seen it that she's she's kind of uh, uh, ebbing and flowing through both families. Yeah. Or, or, or That's both right. parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You've uh, talked quite a bit about, you know, certain places you've gotten inspiration, things like that. I know you've mentioned traveling is one of those things that has kind of really influenced you. Is there any other kind of cross-disciplinary things that have kept you moving forward and kind of helped keep you pushing the boundaries of things? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely inspired by a lot of areas um, besides just pure graphic design. The areas that um, inspire me oftentimes um, nothing to do with layout on a piece of paper. It's more of a dimensional space. Um, music is a big one that inspires me. Um, I think, in fact, when, when I'm looking to work with other people or hire, or hire designers, um, sure, they have to meet that benchmark of, of solid design, uh, you know, good personal relationship skills, um, uh, having in, in to some degree an expertise in the software that's used currently and so forth. But I don't look at those things as much as I look at as what's that other thing that they do. So for example, my business partners, um, Mark is a um, very well recognized uh, drummer. In fact, he'll be you know, flying off to California to do some session drumming with some band or something. Um, and, and that uh, expertise in drumming actually creates a rhythm and a sensibility about design that uh, influences his, his work. Um, Scott, my other partner, designs and builds his own homes. And um, in fact, he's in the middle of uh, building a new home uh, right now. And uh, that understanding of structure and form, um, he's, a, he's a fan of mid-century modern style, so that clean, minimalist feel uh, you see it in, in his design work as well, his graphic design work. So I, I really appreciate um, the, the designer's otherness that comes to influence their skill set, their craft. So. Any advice on things that we should, uh, we should be reading right now or that we should be looking at or in, in the case of what you were just talking about, some music, uh, what should we be listening to? Good questions. Okay. Um, all good questions. That's all I've got now. <laughs> <laughs> a good book. Art Chantry just came out with a book about, maybe it's been a year ago or so, that was really good. I actually have a hard copy. Art Chantry Speaks, A Heretic's History of 20th Century Graphic Design. It's a great book. That sounds like art. That's a really, really good book. Music. Um, what am I hooked on right now? 
Let's see. Maybe not well known to most people, but there's a band called the Milk Carton Kids. It's two guys. They kind of have that uh, Simon and Garfunkel feel to them, but the craft and the craft that they produce their music with is just astounding. So Lance, before we uh, conclude, I uh, wanted to get a piece of advice um, as someone who has taught students before and someone who is in the field of design, doing design, especially creative type work with community and with, um, with businesses. What should I be doing to help students become the next Lance Kagan? Or, or another way of thinking about it is, what's missing that we need to fill the gap with? Yeah. I think um, the graphic design uh, education track right now is doing really well. I'm really pleased with the things I see. Um, probably what I would encourage uh, other instructors is to um, not fall back on formulaic digital design. For example, if uh, a student is looking for a script uh, font to work with on a poster design, say for example, um, why not have handwritten type as opposed to looking through digital fonts to find the script that they want to use? Now get out there with uh, pen and paper and, and draw scripts yourself and you know make it more authentic and real or you want to you want a rough texture that's uh, that's kind of urban in feel well go out there and do a rubbing off the asphalt in the street in front of you as opposed to looking through digital files to find uh, some easy uh, you know cut and paste sort of solution. So that reminds me of this um, story of when JP and I traveled to Dubai together for a class. Um, and I was out for a run one morning, and there was still like a lot of dew on the sidewalks and things. And I was running up this pedestrian ramp and had slipped and fell and um, had gotten a pretty significant scab like all up and down my shin um, on my leg. And uh, a day or two later, JP was working on this project where um, he needed a texture. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is a great story. So By then, it had scabbed over, and he needed this texture. So he took a, a picture of the scar on my leg. And we talk about you know karma in our work. And I think you know, JP had, had worked in a nudist design, and he had come back and said, you know, I think that's the first time they've ever come back and not liked it. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have one beautiful angle poster. Shortly after we started the project, uh, Tom was uh, building a bookcase, and he's, he's a writer. I'm a you know, designer, and he's a writer, so we have a great uh, compliment there. But he was building a bookcase in his house and uh, was working on his workshop and cut off his finger. And... We missed a couple months of beautiful angle posters, and so when we started up again, we decided we wanted to kind of tell that story. So we took a picture of his hand missing his finger, and uh, and the poster uh, is pretty graphic, but uh, <laughs> but but it fits so well with the words about uh, you know um, being passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. And 
be willing to lose a finger over it kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I, I love that um, visceral quality of kind of that honest look at life and really uh, grabbing hold of it. It's one of our least, least uh, uh, desired posters just because it is so graphic, but it's powerful at the same time. So. Well, Lance, thank you very much for your time here, and uh, greatly appreciate it. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. This is Design School is recorded in a field where design happens. The intro music for This is Design School is Electronic Nostalgic, composed by Paul Tyne and published under the Creative Commons on SoundCloud. Continue the conversation by contacting us on Twitter. JP tweets at JPAvula and Chad tweets at Chad P. Hall. You can follow the show at T-I-D-S Podcast. Get more info on the podcast and subscribe to our newsletter by visiting us at thisisdesign.school. Help spread the word by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and Stitcher. And share us with your designer friends. Bye for now.